and consumers. This is the Press Box. We are Brian Curtis and David Shoemaker with your instant reaction to the New Hampshire primary. David, I'm told saying we actually have a winner this time is an overworked Twitter joke. So skip that. (laughs) The winner of the New Hampshire primary is Bernie Sanders. At this moment, he is in first place with 26% of the vote. Pete Buttigieg in second with 24%, and Amy Klobuchar, kind of the surprise of the night, with 20%. Let's start with Bernie, because I feel as soon as the direction things were going to go tonight became apparent, within immediately, and by we, I mean everyone on cable news, started this argument of how big a victory is this for Bernie um, should we be adding up Buttigieg and Klobuchar's votes to counteract it somehow to show that no, 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 really people want to elect a centrist? How much <laughs> stock do you put in to this victory tonight for Bernie Sanders? It's a it's a huge win. I mean, I I just don't. I maybe I, if anything, I'm I'm influenced uh, to to um look at it in his favor because of all of the attempts that seem to have been made in the media to minimize it. I mean, I don't I'm not quite sure how comparing this year against 4 years ago is even remotely meaningful, but it I've over and over again on I think every cable news channel I've seen his numbers put side by side with his numbers from 4 years ago when he was running in a two-person race against Hillary Clinton functionally. Um but this is this is really big. I mean, I, it's I think if anything, it's it, it, what what really diminishes it, in, at least in from on a conceptual level, is that he was running neck and neck up until the end with Pete Buttigieg, who himself wasn't uh, you know an entirely viable candidate two weeks ago, right? So um, if he had if if this had been Bernie and Joe Biden, you know, with with Biden in the in the place of Buttigieg, I think it would have been seen as a little bit more meaningful, but. Joe Biden, I mean, that's a story for another segment. But he, I mean, he, he's his campaign is just has hit rock bottom. Mm. Um, and I think, I mean, I and I think, I mean, I, I don't know that there's a definitive answer to the Bernie Sanders question because there is some truth to the, I mean, a lot of truth to the notion that there's a lot, uh, you know, there's there's a huge portion of the Democratic voting electorate. I mean, that you know waiting to be waiting to be even given the the right to vote in this you know primary season but um this is a big night for bernie sanders i totally agree with everything you said from the kind of conceptual problem bernie's dealing with that he beat two candidates tonight that people didn't take entirely seriously Mm -hmm. all the way up until they finished well tonight that he was expected to win tonight i think it was about 67% 67% odds in the Nate Silver uh, rankings before the night. So when you're expected to win, just winning doesn't do you a ton of good, at least in the kind of weird cable news brain that rules America. But man, I'm with you. I think it's huge because I saw Chris Hayes make this point on MSNBC. How many candidates that have actually won or co-won an election right now are set up to win more of them. How many have, and I believe these were Hayes' things, and I thought this was correct, a multiracial coalition, a lot of money, and a national campaign apparatus? It's basically Bernie Sanders right now. So, and the idea is like, he he co-won Iowa last week, right? He wins New Hampshire tonight. He could win Nevada in 11 days. Even if he takes the L in South Carolina, 
he's set up to do very well in states like California on Super Tuesday. He raised $27 million in January, beating mm-hmm. every candidate in the field. Man, if that's if that is somehow secretly a losing hand going forward, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. I'm not saying Bernie is going to win the nomination, but he has he is by far in the strongest position to win it after tonight. I agree. Um, you know, Chris Matthews was on TV tonight, and you'll forgive me. I, I feel like Uh-oh. I've watched more of, of across the cable network uh, spectrum. I've watched more MSNBC than normal over the past couple of weeks because um, it's been it's been sort of incredible to watch the um, the you know the the sort of uh, more moderate liberals on the network kind of come to grips with Bernie the the phenomenon of Bernie Sanders or the sort of reality of Bernie Sanders. Um, Chris Matthews, whose entire uh, opinion of Bernie Sanders could be sort of uh, summarized in just like a performative eye roll, um, trotted out the old Nixonism tonight, which is whenever you hear about somebody, whenever you hear about the the anybody but X movement, vote on X. And, um, you know, that was that obviously true X of Trump four win. years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it was true of Trump four years ago, obviously, and um, and and now it's it feels like it's becoming true of Bernie Sanders. I mean, and 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 you really to stay on the MSNBC tip for one more second, you really need to look no further than the sort of the the, the morning Joe cast kind of trying Pete Buttigieg on for size for the first time, <laughs> you know, the, and and just the and and the and the I mean, and listen. There's no question about how much about the significance of the amount of money that Michael Bloomberg has spent. Uh, I mean, it's, it's it's a lot and it's meaningful in a lot of different ways. But the seriousness which with his people are addressing his campaign on uh, MSNBC and other networks, I think, is a direct reflection of the kind of anxiety about Bernie Sanders. It is absolutely a reflection of that. And I and also is this tortured math where we're trying to add up other candidates totals and say, well, see, those are bigger than Bernie Sanders total. Yeah, that that is not how these things work. If you want to divine the kind of general will of the Democratic primary electorate, you go right ahead. We we saw this with Trump four years ago. That's not how these things work. And the, you don't you don't get to add it up after the fact and say, well, Bernie really didn't win. He did win. He really won. The media freakout is going to be wild. Oh, I love this tweet from Will Menneker. Uh, it was actually before tonight. It said the two paths laid out for the liberal media if Sanders wins on Tuesday are already being prepped. The Matthew Iglesias knee bend. He's just like me or any other regular Democrat and won't be so bad. And the Chris Matthews full red bait meltdown. <laughs> this is very, very good. I'm not sure we got to either of those tonight. <laughs> and the narrowness of his victory right means that he is not the presumptive nominee and you will not see people i don't think you'll see a ton of bernie skeptics jumping on board after tonight mhm but he won he won he was expected to win and he won he co-won the first primary at the very least cuz or the first caucus cuz i'm sh- still not sure we know what happened and he outright won the second one he's got a really good chance to win the third one and Show me, show me the list of candidates who've done that and then not won the Democratic nomination or any nomination. It's not many, man. It's not many. Also, by the mm-hmm. way, I don't know how much of that debate you watched on Friday, but 
aren't you convinced Democrats were still attacking the wrong guy? Like I turned on that debate and Amy Klobuchar was going right at Buttigieg. Now I know they're sharing the same kind of Midwest centrist, nice person lane, but it was almost so much fire was on Buttigieg. Elizabeth Warren wasn't attacking anybody. And then Joe Biden dropped that ad that that web ad this week that was just all about pete Buttigieg putting up christmas lights in south bend indiana or something <laughs> and you're like you know the other guy is in first place right yeah <laughs> you need to tear him down before you do all this and that reminded me the republicans four years ago too exactly what i was just thinking of I mean, it's, it's that whole it's the it's the ted cruz uh, philosophy of like i'm just gonna wait till it's me and trump and then i'm gonna squash trump right or i'm just, yeah, I'm, just gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna put my and what do you say? I'm gonna put my arms around him until the end or whatever, and then at that point, just the the freight train's running out of control. Um, yeah, yeah, or Chris Christie taking out Marco Rubio, and it turned <laughs> out Marco Rubio wasn't the issue. You know, Mar- Marco Rubio was gonna win anything anyway. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's it, it is impre- it is is kind of stunning that we started off. You know, I mean, not start off, but it was only less than a month ago a couple of weeks ago when you were when you posed the question as to whether or not the democrats the other the, the more moderate democrats had had uh you know misaimed their fire at elizabeth warren for so long um thinking that bernie kind of didn't stand a chance and then opened up the door for bernie just to steamroll it's i mean it's really hard to look to look at what's gone on tonight and see uh the race is anything anything other than that so far let's talk about pete Buttigieg because he also had a big night tonight uh by the way in the annals of political chutzpah, he comes out on stage tonight when it's pretty clear Bernie is going to win, but before the race had actually been called. Mm-hmm. So he didn't actually have to concede. He merely <laughs> congratulated Bernie on his, quote, strong showing. Yeah. And then chutzpah upon chutzpah, he grouped Amy Klobuchar in with all the big losers of the night. You know, oh, yeah. and there were some other great candidates tonight, including Amy Klobuchar and Joe Biden. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Those things don't have anything to do with each other. <laughs> <laughs> do, yeah. not, do, do not accuse Pete Buttigieg of um, not knowing how to play the game. The delegates he's going to get, David, look pretty much the same, according to predictions. Sanders is going to pull nine. Pete Buttigieg is going to pull nine. So how do we interpret this showing by Mayor Pete? I, I mean, you it's, you got to say it's impressive, right? I mean, it, coming from from where he's been in the polls in New Hampshire, at least, you know, and and, and I mean, and and building off of his big Iowa win, um, which you know had was certainly constructed. I mean, with with all the nonsense that went on in the in the vote count there, it could have been dampened more than it more than it was, um. Yeah, I mean, listen, he he he's done a really good job, and I am interested to see where we go from here. I mean, he does have you. You mentioned, you know, who besides Bernie Sanders was set up to win, and that right. obviously is that 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 argument was made, um, not coincidentally, by the Warren campaign before the vote counting even started today, <laughs> uh, in a. In a semi-deliberately posted medium uh, medium post, um, where they kind of made the argument that um, you know by Super Tuesday there was only going to be a couple uh, what three candidates that mattered, um, uh, her her of course being one of them, Bernie Sanders being another. When Pete Buttigieg has a ground game 
in Nevada. Um, what that's going to actually, you know, how that's actually going to, to, to translate into votes, who knows? And obviously the bigger question uh, for Buttigieg is, you know, as, as people have said a million times over, is how, how well he's going to turn out and, or, or how well he's going to do in the African-American vote, the, uh, the Hispanic vote. Um, you know, at some point, listen, I, I mean, I hate to give too much credence to uh, the sort of hand-waving that Joe Biden and, and, and everyone else is doing, is doing right now, but it's true. Um, you know, when you're number one, when the number one question about your legitimacy as a candidate is whether or not you can actually just turn out Democratic voters, um, that's going to continue to be a question about your campaign until you do it. Right. I mean, and 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 so there's as good as tonight was, as good as Iowa was for the Buttigieg campaign. I mean, it just sounds so it's just sounds so, you know, control V at this point. But he's we 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 don't know yet. Yeah. I mean, he's on the one hand, right, just like Bernie, you can say he's done everything he needed to do. Co won Iowa narrowly lost tonight. But it feels like if we look back at other primary results throughout the years, there would be lots of candidates like Buttigieg and Klobuchar who mm. had a nice, you know, man, win, place, or show finish up front, and then they just kind of vanished. They just didn't. It's almost like the punditocracy wished them to be better candidates than they actually were. Sure. I'm not saying this is going to happen to him, but he and Klobuchar have enormous potential to be those candidates in this race, where this is tonight is the high point, right? Or, or if you want to argue for Pete, that weird Iowa finish was a high point. Not, I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen, but he, this could be the high point of his campaign tonight. Yeah, there's so many candidates in the field, and and obviously there are candidates who dropped out of the race who were still on the ballot today. Um, it's a little bit hard to, it's a little bit hard to do the the game theory about whose candidacy is affecting who. I mean, it's incredibly difficult to do that, obviously, um, and it's particularly hard to figure out. If if there's any meaning behind, I mean, if if there's anything you can actually draw from, I mean, obviously, Buttigieg and Sanders are the big winners over the past couple of weeks. Um, you know, is Klobuchar is, is Klobuchar's great performance today or tonight meaningful, or is it? You know, I mean, New Hampshire. You know, what what do they always say? No one that no one tells New Hampshire how to vote, or no one tells New Hampshire what to do, or no one puts New Hampshire in a corner or whatever. But but there's, <laughs> but New Hampshire does have you know, uh, kind of a history of voting for Klobuchar-type candidates, you know, of, of of liking that sort of candidate. Mayor Pete was, uh, with you know, Warren's kind of disappearance notwithstanding, Mayor Pete was a sort of conventional uh, Iowa pick, right? I mean, or Iowa, he, he, was, the, he was a type that they yes. like in Iowa. Like I said, Klobuchar is, someone, someone pointed out, um, Oh, it was Nathaniel Rakich on on five thirty eight pointed out that there's he there's there might be some uh, parallel between Klobuchar's performance tonight and and like the performances of John Kasich and John Huntsman in previous cycles. You know that sort of just like uh, you know grit moderate candidate. <laughs> um, and and I think that there's really something there. You know, I mean, but you don't want to you don't want to overgeneralize too much. Um, I. I I don't even remember what the original question was, but the, but but yeah, I mean, you, we have to look at all of these things together uh, with the you know with the honesty to say that nothing's really going to be meaningful until we're a little bit further down the road and we can look back with hindsight. Yeah, so Klobuchar was a big surprise tonight. She comes out there and her 
non-victory victory speech and says, hello, America, I'm Amy Klobuchar and I can beat Donald <laughs> Trump, which was a nice moment. Her candidacy, excuse me, to this point had been largely a manifestation of pundits who said after every debate, gee, why isn't she doing better? Well, mm-hmm. tonight in New Hampshire, she actually did better, right? Yeah. All week, there were signs that we were going to get what was alternately called Clomentum or the Cloba charge, both <laughs> of which should be outlawed immediately if they haven't been already. Uh, do you think, I know this is the overly simplistic way again, and you don't get to do this kind of post hoc math, but that Klobuchar and Buttigieg just looks at these, looked at these results tonight and like, man, if I had just, if you had just done a little bit worse, if I had just snuck a few more of your voters away, especially Buttigieg, I could have just won this thing outright. And all the stories tomorrow and the fake narratives tomorrow would be a lot different if Pete Buttigieg were the one who won two in a row instead of Bernie Sanders. I, I just think it's hard to, to disentangle everything. I mean, every vote that either, I mean, not every, every vote that, uh, half of the votes that Amy Klobuchar got tonight, more than half, and and a significant number of, of Mayor Pete's votes came from the fact that Joe Biden got like 15 you know, I mean, it's like it, it, <laughs> David is not saying the percentage. That's the total number of votes Joe <laughs> Biden got in New Hampshire tonight. I mean, I've seen I've seen so many people put the percentages side by side of like, here's where the you know, here's where these votes went. Elizabeth Warren's votes clearly didn't go straight into Bernie Sanders back pocket. Um, th- there's a lot of different ways you can count it. Sure. I mean, I'm sure that's what those I'm sure that the Judge campaign is, you know, side-eyeing the Klobuchar campaign right now. But somebody's got to fill that gap. Somebody's got to fill that void. I find it really hard, as much as much excitement as Mayor Pete clearly had going for him in New Hampshire, I find it hard to imagine that, you know, even if it were a two-person race, he would have performed that much better. But maybe. I mean, it's... it's I don't know. I mean... It, there was a point during one of the during somebody was speaking one of the pro mayor Pete voices was speaking at the rally tonight and compared him outwardly to President Obama, and I mean, I mean, I guess your mileage may vary on that, but it just feels like it just feels like the campaign is sort of insisting upon itself, and maybe and that's worked to a certain extent. It's worked incredibly well, but. Um, but I, I just don't. I, I, I just, I find it hard to imagine. Like I said, if Klobuchar didn't exist, that Mayor Pete would have suddenly jumped up ten points. Yeah, and I don't want to. I don't want to diminish Klobuchar's achievement because she was again a candidate who existed mostly as kind of a notion of everything of of pundits mm-hmm. and everyone else. And then she has that really good debate on Friday night, where she had her best performance. You and I have said multiple times in this podcast that she's gotten better at running for president as this campaign has gone along. That was by far her best debate on Friday. And she showed off all the reasons people would want to vote for her speech tonight was fantastic. I thought Mm -hmm. hitting not only that, you know, very stagey, but effective opening line, but getting into her family, getting into being a mom, getting into be her daughter and her dad and her grandparents. And, you know, she, she has a very, just like Elizabeth Warren, who sort of, I think, was better at running for president earlier in the campaign. She has a very, very compelling pitch. 
And tonight was the first time it really translated. I mean, I think that that Klobuchar probably benefited from Elizabeth Warren's tumble. Um, and not just in vote count. I think specifically it's, you know, it, it, it there's kind of two places that you want to be in a presidential race, especially at this stage. It's that you want to be, you know, the front runner or one of a very small group of front runners, or you want to be a dark horse. And Elizabeth Warren, whether or not it was, you know, I'm sure there's some sports metaphor. Maybe she, she, you know, went, she excelled too early. Um, <laughs> she peaked. She peaked yeah, too she soon. peaked too early. That's what I'm trying to say. She's she peaked too soon. But or or whether it's just a you know a product of of a million other little little things. But like it. But but certainly Amy Klobuchar benefited from being relatively unknown at the beginning of the last debate. Right. I mean, she she had the ability to sort of come from behind and be an exciting new uh, idea of a candidate, as you said. Yeah, um, I think I think she benefited from for that the whole election. You know, just again, you know, Democratic voters wanting to turn the page. We don't want Barack Obama's vice president, right? We don't want all these familiar people. We want somebody new. And as somebody said on cable news tonight, she was new, but she was also really experienced. Mm-hmm. And that was again, that's the case she's tried to make for a long time, and it wasn't until tonight it worked. Let's talk about the candidates, David, who finished in the equivalent of the. Uh, NBA lottery tonight. First, Elizabeth Warren sitting at 9% of the vote as we speak in a state that neighbors her home state of Massachusetts. There were a bunch of pieces this week. I read the ones by Alex Thompson and Politico and Matt Flegenheimer in the New York Times about how Elizabeth Warren has refused to change tactics at all. She is on the exact same script or had been since before people started voting. I love the way Flegenheimer put it. He says she's self-branded as a fighter in a policy context, but less often less often in a political one, meaning she's going to fight for you, Joe and Jane Sixpack, but she is not going to fight with Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a tough, I'm a fighter, but I'm not going to draw distinctions with the other candidates. Well, <laughs> Until today. As you point out, because this memo got out with her campaign taking shots at all the other candidates. Sure. While while why they weren't going to hold up over the long haul. She yeah. said tonight, I believe in her victory speech, harsh tactics might work if you're willing to burn down the party, which is a subtweet of Bernie Sanders and probably somebody else. Um. So tonight, so on election day, she decided to change tactics. But again, on Friday night, when she had a big chance to show everybody what her closing mm. message was, she didn't try to draw any contrast. What do you make of that? I, all everything that you said sort of goes is sort of of a piece in my mind. I think. Well, I'll take the the end first. I mean, her her talk about not burning down the party in her concession speech was such that I you I mean I texted you to ask if she was conceding the if she was dropping out of the race. I mean, it just like it was just so over the top, but. Looking at it now, maybe that's just she's like the campaign made the decision to turn the page really dramatically. So we're talking about this new Elizabeth Warren tomorrow and not her performance in the race. Prior to that, I mean, the 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 medium post that you mentioned that I previously discussed, um, th- that to me is not I mean, that to me is, is actually the kind of the kind of attack that Elizabeth Warren and her campaign 
can do well. She's it, it's like it's a white paper attack, right? I mean, she's not <laughs> good at going after people. And I mean, it's not that she's bad at going after people in debates, but it clearly does not reflect well upon her campaign. I mean, that wasn't when when she went after the Puda judge for the wine the wine caves. Uh, when she went after Bernie Sanders, it called him a liar, or asked if he called her a liar in that in the debate about the, whether or not he thought there could be a woman president. Though, I mean, whether or not that 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 dropped her poll numbers, that certainly coincided with the plummeting of her polling numbers and her and subsequently her performances in, in Iowa and New Hampshire. I, I I don't think that I'm not sure that 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 reflects positively on her as a candidate, at least especially as a candidate who's going to have to go toe to toe with Donald Trump. But I think that maybe what we saw in the last debate was her realization that that's not the candidate she was going to be. It's not the candidate she's going, that's not the way she's going to win. And um, who knows if this medium post today is going to be effective, but certainly it's more of a piece with that version of Elizabeth Warren than, uh, you know, making wine cave snark. Well, if you're going to do the white paper thing, maybe do it a few days before sure. the primary instead of, the day of where it's a signal that we know we're going to get blown out. Mm-hmm. Um, numbers guru Dave Wasserman tweets, raise your hand if you thought a few months ago that Warren and Biden would finish closer to Yang Gabbard Steyer, who had 3% each, <laughs> than the top New Hampshire tier of Sanders, Judge Klobuchar. I am not raising my hand right now. Uh, the aforementioned Alex Thompson writes, that Warren has more than a thousand staffers in 31 states, likely only second only to Mike Bloomberg. So structurally, she is set up to keep going. This this campaign may be weird enough that there is a path forward to just keep going and hope it changes. I just I'm still skeptical of candidates that say, I'm losing all the primaries right now. But at some unspecified date in the future, I'm going to start winning all the primaries. I don't remember that ever happening. And I don't, again, given all the kind of narrative media stuff, I just don't know how. And plus, not to mention money, right? You need money. Right. I don't know how that works. I really don't. Money's important, obviously. Maybe there's nothing more important. But it's also an endurance race, and that's a cliche, obviously. But the but I feel like what what we saw over and over again in the Republican field four years ago was that everybody eventually got their shot. Everybody got their their moment in the spotlight. And maybe Warren's already had that, but I think it's really easy to make the case that she hasn't. That on the national stage with everybody looking, with every you know, with, with people actually casting votes, she hasn't had her biggest the biggest moment she might she that she's going to have yet. Um I Ooh. I tend to agree no, no, I, t- I tend to agree with you. New, but I New think Hampshire is right next to Massachusetts. It was a good time to have a big moment. And Iowa th- this was would, demographically set up, you know, for I, her to do really well. I, 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 I agree with that. I mean, I don't think that she's I don't think that she can continue on in, the, in this in this way from any significant amount of time. Um, and again, the financial considerations are going to be huge. But um, I just think it's I, I mean. We have, I mean, the entire political apparatus, the entire Democratic political apparatus at this point is basically calling a mulligan. So it really, I mean, if if for no other reason than the fact that 
nobody wants Bernie Sanders and not a lot of people want Pete Buttigieg from, you know, the whatever, from from the swamp, if you will. It really really it really is too too early to call for anybody. No, I, I I'm I'm with you there. And and I am willing to at least entertain the idea that this election could be different because of that. That it's so shattered into a million pieces that there is there is some weird surprise yet to come. I don't know if it's Elizabeth Warren. I kind of think Elizabeth Warren needs to win Nevada or at least finish yeah. a very strong second Nevada. You know, all candidates say, hey, I'm preparing for five primaries down the line, you know, and then it turns out they do badly and they drop out. So she she to me has to do well in Nevada or I don't really see the case. She, she's got a, I mean, she's got a good apparently a good, you know, operation there. And she's also got um, the undying affection of Harry Reid, which could be really meaningful. I mean, if she, if she if she performs really well in Nevada, I don't think it should be a huge surprise. And if she doesn't, I think that, you know, that might be the end. To talk about tonight's biggest loser in the electoral sense of the word, anyway, we br- we come to Joe Biden. He acted like a loser all week. He basically conceded defeat after the New Hampshire debate on Friday. He didn't hang around in New Hampshire tonight, but went straight to South Carolina, his much heralded firewall state, where he was throwing David what was what he called a launch party. <laughs> Like launching an app, not launching my candidacy into the sun, which might have been the actual result of tonight. He came out in his non-concession concession speech and said, wait a second, 99%, more than 99% of African-American voters haven't voted yet. So what, you know, why are we pretending that this, this thing is done or even half done? Here's the one problem. There was a Quinnipiac poll on Monday which showed Biden's African-American support cratering. Yeah. It went from 49% at the end of January to 27%. Bloomberg's went from 7 to 22. And there is this big, weird issue now where it's like, I think the question now is, does Joe Biden make it to South Carolina? You know, is, is the do you even get, the benefit of making it to your firewall state and trying to win it? Or is he so bad once again in Nevada that that's it? You know, you're, you're a former vice president. You, you come in with all the advantages. You also come in mm-hmm. with the disadvantages. You went, you were fourth in Iowa and now you're fifth tonight in New Hampshire. Fifth dude, 8% of the vote. If you don't do well in Nevada, what, possibly and you and you're not showing any life on the stump unlike elizabeth warren say what possibly is the case for you to go forward after that well uh, apparently the biden campaign campaign was out tonight trying to make the case that this uh, tonight was worse for the warren campaign than theirs so if you know if uh you know we're like you said we're close to her home state or you know her state whatever uh i don't I, I I have no idea. I have no idea what what Joe Biden's thinking and what what his his path forward is. Um, I do want to credit uh, Chris Saliza with a with an excellent observation. Uh, he tweeted tonight. Uh, do we have like a Chris Saliza slide whistle or something that we play when we mention <laughs> yeah, his name? I, I'm just I was I was just struck dumb. But go ahead, please continue. No, he no, but he he pointed out that Joe Biden's run for president three times and has yet to win a single primary or caucus. 
<laughs> I don't really know if those previous ones reflect entirely on the Joe Biden that we know and love now, but at some point you got to start drawing a line, right? You got to start connecting dots. <laughs> um, the Joe, it's just you, to 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 go. I mean, just trace the outlines of this campaign. For one thing, that he he took so long to get in. We forgot. I mean, I'm sure we. I, I've almost forgotten. I wish we should probably go back to the archives just to play a, 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 a super cut of my size every time that we talked about Joe Biden potentially getting in before he did. <laughs> um, it, he took forever to get in. And then when he gets in, he's he rides down on a sort of very ephemeral white horse. Um, his entire constituency is, you know, I, I really, I feel like I'm becoming like Chapo, tra- Chapo Trap House here. His entire constituency is the media and and this sort of, you know, just just disappearing act of national polls, which are just totally meaningless um, in a primary system. By the way, and, not to interrupt you, but are we sure Joe Biden has the media? Did you hear a media member act high on Joe Biden at all during this? Well, I, I think, think I think it was just, that. Well, the media, you're right. The in, institutional Democrats, sort of. I mean, he he was the. He was the 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 John Kerry and the buffet line before John Kerry was the John Kerry and the buffet line, right? He was like he's doing the nation a favor by running. But but even and, again, not to interrupt you again. I'm sorry, I'm just interrupting you all the time. But even then, he had a pretty low number of endorsements, right, for the quote unquote institutional Democrat. No, he had you're, John you're Kerry, right. who was then reduced to muttering that he should run for president, but he really didn't have a lot of those guys compared to similar he, candidates in the past. You're right, and and I, I guess for in the media, I mean, if you, if you want to get specific, the media was, I, I think, constantly just sort of aghast at his lack of availability, right? I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't, on, he didn't do interviews, he wasn't on TV, Incredible. and he wasn't particularly, he wasn't particularly good on the trail. So I don't really know what he has except for this sort of like aura of inevitability. And then when you start losing, and not just losing, he didn't come in second or third. I mean, like this was this, like you said before, like this is like Ang- Andrew Yang territory. He got and, crushed, and and now and now, not only is he just like, it's not. He's not pointing the direct pointing towards some bright future, right? This isn't like, this isn't like the audacity of hope. This is like he's, he. I mean, he's almost working the refs at this point, right? He's. It's not just like, like I am the one who can beat Donald Trump. He's like. No, 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 no. But if we like recount the ballots or if we, if we go look over there in that box that nobody's counted, I mean, it just it, it's it, the case that he's making is is correct. Like we need more. We need to hear from many, many more voters and a much broader swath of them. But it just is such a diminished argument from the one he started with. I mean, totally. And and he keeps changing. He keeps changing the rationale. We mentioned the one with African-American voters. Another one he kept saying is, look, I'm winning nationally. You reporters don't know this, but I'm I'm leading in national polls. Well, back to Monday's Quinnipiac poll. He's not leading mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. Bernie Sanders led that one. 25 Biden in second place with 17. So that rationale is out the window, too. David Diane, by the way, just to top your Chris Saliza nugget, says Joe Biden has never finished higher than fourth in any primary or caucus in 32 years of running for president. <laughs> not just not one. Yeah, <laughs> he's never finished in the money. Yeah, why? Well, I'm not sure why we took this seriously to begin with. 
Mm-hmm. And Did, I mean, again, it just made so much sense. Well, it's Joe Biden. It's Uncle Joe. He's gonna have. He's gonna have a lot of money. Well, he didn't have a lot of money. He's gonna have a lot of support. He didn't have that. People, you know, he's gonna have this core of people that think he's gonna be electable. Well, he didn't have that either. Mm-hmm. Got nothing. Fourth place, fifth place. Yeah, For yeah. A it just well liked former vice president. Hmm. I mean, a well liked former vice. Pre- I mean, it, it sounds like you're. That yeah. sounds like the. That sounds like sort of like the loose, the loose praise, the faint praise that you would give like a, you know, declining grandfather or something, which is maybe (laughs) not too far from the truth. And to 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 reiterate or just make one more point about his lack of immediate media availability. Andrea Mitchell, who's someone who knows much more than she says on TV a lot of the time. She is um, media availability. She is media availability. When 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 discussing the fact that he wasn't going on Sunday shows and and doing interviews and whatever else, she's in reference to his campaign said perhaps they sheltered him too much, which sounds a whole lot like uh, mm. the way you talk about somebody who's not making all the decisions for himself. Or <laughs> you know, I mean, it just it, it it's sort of there seems to be a lot a lot underwriting or you know beneath what that statement. So we'll see. I mean, I I have no idea where he goes from here, but. It's just one thing after another that just seems, I feel like I've said the word misbegotten in relationship to this campaign way too many times, but that's like the, that's the word, that's the word that's meaningful to me. And I think there are two questions. Does Joe Biden win South Carolina and prolong his candidacy or does Joe Biden make it to South Carolina? And to me, those are both equally valid questions. David, there were actually some even bigger losers tonight. Andrew Yang, who we've been impressed by at various points during the campaign, uh, finished around 3% tonight, had put a lot of stock in New Hampshire, dropped out of the race. He tells BuzzFeed's Ruby Kramer, there's part of me that feels disappointed, like I didn't fulfill people's goals. There's also a competitive part of me, too, like I can't believe I lost to these people. (laughs) And I love that (laughs) quote because... That's how any of these candidates really feels. Even if you're Andrew Yang and there was nobody on planet Earth who thought you were going to win the Democratic nomination. You look around and you're like, I can't believe I, I can't believe I lost to Joe Biden tonight. I, I can't believe I lost to Pete Buttigieg. I'm, I'm betting that's what makes you run for president. Is that sort of irrational conflict? That's what made yes. Andrew Yang run, run for president, right? Mm-hmm. That he could do it. That campaign came to an end tonight. I, 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 I heard. I didn't read it, but I heard a quote from his campaign manager, who basically just said, "You know, the the results speak, speak for themselves, and we can't really justify taking more money from from you know donors and from the Democratic Party." And that's maybe the most like impressive thing any campaign has said in this entire run i mean like the, the andrew yang by dropping out andrew yang might have gotten my vote tonight like this was it was the most like smart like <laughs> just like a- actual human decision that i could possibly imagine him making um listen he's he he came so far um even just in the brief time since he dropped out to now I've read a lot of like just really smart, really, really insightful things about his campaign. Um, it seems like he had a lot. He had a lot of support and a lot of kind of surprising quarters, at least in the sort of political literati. And he 
I mean, just the just the distance that he that he traversed from the first time that we heard his name when he was, you know, in the 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 punchline block, right? I mean, he we we no one was taking him seriously at the beginning, and um, you know, there's no there's I mean, I don't think anybody would bat an eye if he decided to run for office again. I mean, he's he's a serious candidate now, and and you're right, that irrational confidence, um, and and like I said, his exit are I think really behoove him for whatever he does next totally an incredibly impressive performance uh versus the where he came into this campaign absolutely and much more impressive than a lot of big name politicians speaking of big names well i guess medium name michael bennett (laughs) joins the other boring coloradan john hickenlooper in exiting the race tonight his goodbye quote i love you new hampshire whether you knew it or not, we were having a great time together. To that Molly Ball of Time tweets, Michael Bennett is the imaginary Canadian boyfriend of the Democratic primaries. <laughs> the thing I saw most tonight was people didn't know Michael Bennett was still in the race. <laughs> I saw him in a barber's chair in New Hampshire uh, on just some like just, you know, reporters walk through the other day and was kind of shocked myself. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> was a reporter was... not expecting to find him in there? Like, I, oh, no, Mike, Michael Bennett was basically photobombing a camera crew. I'm not quite sure. Um, but yeah, apparently he was still in it. Um, you know, James Carville, who's, I guess, a, a campaign attache has obviously made more of an impact in the past week than his candidate has. Um Hopefully this doesn't mean that James Carville is a free agent and will be, you know, hooking up with another campaign. Um, although it's been sort of a guilty pleasure to see him uh, reemerge on television. But um, I don't really know what there is to say about the Bennett campaign, except, um, you know, farewell, best wishes. <laughs> generic, <laughs> generic goodbye. I have yeah. no memories of that campaign. Like some of these people even had like a funny debate moment. I have no memories of Michael Bennett. No, no memories <laughs> at all. <laughs> I just don't. I, w- I wish I could even give you like a, a fake spiel here, but I have no memories. I just don't. <laughs> and we're allegedly paid to do this. Deval Patrick, according to CBS News, yeah. uh, will also drop out tomorrow. Uh, Again, wow, that one of the weirder candidacies ever. Matt Stout from the Boston Globe tweeted, he might have been first on this, that, he, that Deval Patrick was going to go home tonight and make some decisions tomorrow morning. Um, <laughs> he needed to see where the winds of New Hampshire, or they said that he had needed the winds of New Hampshire to carry us on. Um, and then went on to say, sorry, that he had been trapped by the narrative of jumping in late. Um, I just don't, it doesn't make any sense. Like why why he would have launched his candidate when and in, in the manner that he did and then drop out now, um, you know the assumption at least, you know with the the sort of arch assumption was that he was being backed by some, um, you know Democratic establishment, seedy uh, underbelly or whatever. I'm not sure where where that crew has has decamped to. What 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 who who they're voting for now, but, um. Apparently, there's no more. Uh, there's whatever drove him to get in is no longer existent. I'm I'm just sort of nonplussed by his entire candidacy. I'm not sure. 
I'm not sure why, like I said, why, why do you get in only to drop out now? It doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense. He didn't do anything to, to justify his candidacy. And, and the only way it made sense was that he was just kind of, kind of lurk in the background for some, you know, convention shenanigans or something. I, I, I don't even know. I, don't, I didn't even get to nonplussed. I didn't even make it that far. By the way, David Wright of CNN says a super PAC spent $1.8 million on advertising in New Hampshire for Deval Patrick. At this moment, he has won a little over 1,100 votes. 1.7 million for 1,100 votes. Woo! <laughs> David, let's wrap up by talking about where we go from here. We're 11 days from the Nevada caucuses which occur on the same night and in the same state as the Dante Wilder Tyson Fury heavyweight <laughs> championship. I'm not sure how many people are aware of that. Oh, no, no. When, once, once the leads start rolling in, everyone will be aware. There is a lot of kind of pantomime tonight of people going forward, not just to Nevada, but beyond that. Elizabeth Warren is heading to Virginia for her next stop. Uh, Bernie Sanders is going to North Carolina. Colorado and California, with their, which are both Super Tuesday states, are close to Nevada. So there's talk of campaigns sort of doubling up. I'm sort of with you that I understand with the media that we're supposed to hate uncertainty. We're supposed to want this to wrap up as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. I'm also sort of of the mind that I kind of want, not just for journalistic reasons, but for actual reasons of letting this play out and seeing what these candidates have of letting this thing go on for a while and not letting not just Iowa make our decision, but neither Iowa nor New Hampshire nor Nevada nor South Carolina, but a lot of States make our decision for us. And another way to ask that question is, does anybody but Bernie Sanders not want a long primary at this point? Right. If you're Bernie, you just want to win a couple, win big on Super Tuesday and shut this thing down. Right. Right. Everybody else wants a long primary. Mm -hmm. And I kind of think we're probably going to get it now. Well, a, a minus a giant Bernie showing, which is certainly in the realm of possibility. I think it has to be a really giant showing. You know, I was thinking about the, the word lane has been used a whole lot uh, in this primary season. Um, and particularly of late, whether or not clearing lanes would help certain candidates if there was, you know, only one moderate candidate and only one, um, you know, liberal candidate, uh, if if the outcome would look different. I think that there there might be some truth to that on the on the moderate side. Um, you know, certainly Biden's path. I mean, Biden would have had a more would have had a much better showing if it was only him and Bernie Sanders. You know, I mean, or you could make that case probably about. Buddha judge about maybe maybe Klobuchar too. I, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit less certain about that on on Bernie Sanders side because I think that he's actually the fact that he and Elizabeth Warren stood side by side in the center of of every debate stage making similar ar arguments I think really did a lot to legitimize both of them Bernie Sanders in particular who had been mm -hmm. tarred as this sort of ultra lefty outside you know outside of common sense sort of uh thinker right the the fact that you know he, he might be ahead of where he is in the polls in national polls you know right now if it weren't for elizabeth warren's existence but if she weren't there on the stage next to him he might i mean he he would look like an outsider he looked like a loon you know and i think that 
to a certain extent, as much as he would like to clear the field, um, he probably benefits from her staying in the race for as long as possible until, you know, he, he actually has enough, uh, he has enough delegates to, to, you know, call it a night. Um, so she's the bridge from moderate Democrat and moderate voter to Bernie Sanders. Well, I think that that's certainly true, but I think more significantly, it's just, it, 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 it just makes his, his arguments have more weight when there's two people making them and two people dissenting or three people dissenting. And mm-hmm. it's not just five people tisk tisking the the idiocy of universal health care while he's standing there just shrugging, you know, just trying to 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 argue against all of them. Um, yes, I, I, I think that it'll it'll it will be. I mean, the, listen, the, the field is already narrowed quite a bit. Um, I. I I hesitate to say anything definitive, but I but I do feel like the next, I mean, whichever one of these major candidates um, drops out next, I think is really going to tip the scales one way or the other. Um, but you know, that's that's a pretty vague statement in and of itself. And we have we have a, <laughs> so say, that will definitely a lot of, be true. I mean, listen, we I mean, we have we're we're staring down Nevada, who is using the same app that Iowa used. Uh, as far as we know, I don't think there's been any definitive statement that they're changing their system. Um, so that has the potential to be crazy. And we don't have any, if I'm correct, we don't have any polls from Nevada since like the beginning of the year. Yeah. It's so, a I mean, long we, time. like we don't know what's going to, I mean, like it's, it's impossible to predict what's going to happen. I mean, certainly there's going to be a lot of momentum coming out, coming out of tonight though. I mean, I think that that's the big takeaway that, that it's, it's really, you know, every state makes their own decision. Every state, like like just like New Hampshire, likes to likes to you know make the case that they're independent thinkers and everything else. But it's impossible for what happens from here forward not to be influenced by the significant successes of uh, Pete Buttigieg and you know Bernie Sanders. We will leave it at that until Thursday. He is David Shoemaker. I'm Brian Curtis. Research by Chris Almeida and Erica Cervantes. Production magic by Jim Cunningham. We're back then. I guess it's Friday. We record Thursday for Friday. Sorry about that. I was I, I was good. We were gonna do this in one take. Hell, let's just leave it in. We're back Friday with more lukewarm takes about the media. See you then, David. See you later, Brian. <laughs>